Welcome to the Startup Business Q&A podcast with Richard Moore. All right, let's uh, let's see if we're live. It looks like we're live here on Instagram. Welcome to uh, everyone to episode 157 of Startup Business Q&A. Uh, and uh, this is week one, actually, of four years, in fact. So I'm really thrilled to be here. Thank you very much. I'm going to be joining on all of our platforms because uh, all means four this week. Because, in fact, we're starting with not just Instagram and Facebook, but also YouTube as well. So I'm just loading up uh, the uh, Facebook and, and uh, Instagram. I'm live now on uh, YouTube as well. Let's go live on Inst- on. Um, on LinkedIn too. And uh, hello to everyone on the podcast, everyone watching the replay as well. It looks like we're live, or we'll be able to be live on LinkedIn any second now. So <clears throat> this is a big deal, there's quite a lot of news to talk about. I've had some amazing questions sent through, thank you very much. And this week we're gonna talk about social selling. So um, when we go live in a second, you'll be able to see us on, uh, the, um, on LinkedIn if you're watching there, or of course you can see us uh, on YouTube, Facebook, uh, or Instagram as well. So maybe that should start any second now. <clears throat> now, the key thing about social selling is that you understand that it is something that a lot of people are trying to do, but actually missing the mark on. So I'm really pleased we've got some questions on this. I'm really excited to be doing it. I do think that um, when it comes to social selling, we really need to be aware that there are some real do's and don'ts. So I'm pleased that one of the questions today is actually asking if there are any of those. Um, I just want to make sure that we're live on LinkedIn before we start uh, on Facebook and and, uh, and Instagram as well fully um, because it's trying to catch up right now. I tested it earlier, it was absolutely fine. So let's just see how we go. Um, maybe if I just refresh. So. This is a fascinating subject to me. Um, if you want to have a sense of where I've come from with this, I actually started um, with uh, social selling in a kind of in a way uh, quite some time ago, but I actually started with online related sales with marketing back in 2002. So my first ever job was selling uh, online back then. Uh, hello to Diana. Hello to everyone else watching here. It's a big day. I'm gonna, we'll be starting in a second on, on LinkedIn and we'll be able to see what's going on over there as well. Um, but I do want to add that um, the questions coming in have been really interesting um, because people are kind of looking at particular elements of it. So yeah, we're live right now on uh, LinkedIn. I just want to check in here. So I've got a lot of tech running right now. Uh, I want to say hi to everyone who's watching on LinkedIn. Hi to everyone who's watching on Instagram. Hi to everyone who's watching on Facebook. And hi to everyone, everyone who's watching on IGTV, listening on the podcast or on YouTube as well. So thank you very much all of you for checking in. Um, this is the first time we're doing LinkedIn live uh, in terms of the startup business Q&A. However, this is, for those of you who've not watched before, this is week 157. So if this is your first one, then where have you been for the past three years? But it's a really nice way of kicking off week uh, 157, which is also the first week of our fourth year of these. So some people who tune in and watch every week um, uh, I'm really pleased because I've been watching since week one. And those of you who are watching or just tuning in now, um, just to let you know, we're going to be focused today 
on the topic of social selling. So uh, those of you who don't know me, um, I've been online, if you like, selling uh, for about six years now, uh, and I've worked a lot with Facebook and um, Instagram and building communities there and selling my products and services through the platforms. Probably in the last, say, 14, 15 months or so, I've done the same on LinkedIn as well. And one of the main parts of my content has been um, the Startup Business Q&A show. So this is what we run every Monday at this time, so 8 a.m. Eastern uh, or at 1 p.m. Uh, London time. Uh, some of you sent through questions today already. We're not going to go forever. I'm just going to go for a little bit and uh, hopefully uh, everyone can watch and hear okay. First off, let's do a bit of a check. Can you give me a thumbs up if you can hear okay or just write in that you can. Also, give me a little uh, hashtag team live if you're watching live or hashtag team replay. I always want to go back through and see who's managed to check this out. So I'm waving quite a few people over on Instagram as well. Nice to see you here, uh, Chevin Renge. Also, Timbo Brown. Nice to have met you at Entrepreneur Business Live last week in London. Thanks so much for joining us. Uh, Juliana17 as well. And Henna, wonderful to see you too. It's good to see Instagram live being represented by UK today. Uh, Diana, of course, uh, and Judy Fox running LinkedIn locals um, <laughs> over in the US, all over the US, are tuning in on Facebook as well. For thanks. So thanks for watching there. Um, if you have a question about social selling, even if it's a case of what does it mean and how does it look, then pop one in the comments. I've got uh, enough kit here and enough cameras that I can uh, watch all of the different channels at the same time. So if you have a question on LinkedIn, uh, on Facebook or on Instagram, or I'll check out on, on um, YouTube as well, then absolutely fine. And I'll be able to try and uh, uh, catch up with those. But for the first question, let's start. So this came through from... Uh, Karen Shargan Cooper, so Karen Cooper over in Staten Island, who have, of course has come to Entrepreneur Business Live events in New York, and the next one should be in, uh, after the summer at some point. She's asked, Richard, does every post need a call to action? Now, this is a really important question because a lot of people uh, kind of argue over whether or not you should be doing it every single time. And the reason why is there's this belief that if a call to action is on a post, then it means you're asking or in the parlance of some people, uh, you're right hooking. And I think what's important to understand is that a call to action doesn't have to mean, OK, that you are actually asking for the sale. A call to action can be something way subtler. So the answer to the question, in my opinion, and all of the answers to these uh, sessions uh, and all of these questions, and there have been over 1,200 so far in the last three years, in my opinion, is that I found that a call to action is the right thing to do in every single post. But here's the thing, a call to action doesn't have to be you saying, so come by my thing. Your call to action could in fact be something quite subtle, such as um, let us know your opinion or post a comment below. Or it could be, what do you think? Or something like that. You might think that that isn't really a call to action, but it is. Because one thing I always try and do when I produce content that's going to lead into funneling people, for instance, to buy something, is that I make sure it's always going to start a conversation. So it really is essential to make sure that that's part of the fabric of your post. And when you're producing content to get out there, it's essential to make sure that you are putting in a little call to action Firstly, at the start, a bit of a kind of a tease, like here's what the post is going to be about, or is it a stimulating question, for instance. Getting that bit right at the start is very valuable because it positions or frames this bit of content that you want someone to interact with it. Your call to action at the end could therefore be, so what do you think? Share what you believe or whatever it is. The call to action might be just to tag someone that's relevant there. So it doesn't have to be that you're asking for a sale. 
But why is this important? Let's look at the actual mechanics. If you're actually giving a call to action on every single piece of content, even those subtle ones, what you're doing is you're naturalizing an audience to engaging with your content. That gives you more opportunity to start conversations and to draw more people in. And needless to say, algorithmically speaking, people are happy with that, or platforms rather are happy with that because it, it shows engagement. Therefore, the distribution becomes wider. You know, it gets in front of more people. So that certainly is the way I would do it. Uh, do you want to shout out a few people jumping around and on all of the platforms? Chad Ever, nice to see you here. Jedi Hill, Latona. Femi, Venu Morgan, uh, nice to see you all here, Laura Pendergast as well. If you're just tuning in now, welcome to um, Startup Business Q&A week 157. So this is the first week of our fourth year of weekly live shows. Every single Monday at 1pm we run this and this week's uh, Q&A is on, li uh, on social selling. So um, if you're watching on LinkedIn, I would love to hear from you. There's a load of people watching already, which is marvellous. Thank you for tuning in. Um, make sure you're putting in hashtag team live if you're watching live or hashtag team replay if you're watching the replay uh, and also put in the comments for me where you're watching from. It'd be really interesting to see where we've got people all over the world. I know I've got some people in the UK. Typically it's always the US, so it's marvellous to see people get up so early on a Monday morning to watch this. Uh, that matters a lot to me. Let's look at some of the um, comments on uh, Facebook, uh, sorry, on LinkedIn coming through. I've got, I've got to get my platforms uh, uh, together, right? Because I've got four streaming simultaneously. Uh, Antoni, nice to see you here. Thanks very much. Uh, nice to see um, Diana Nyan there. Uh, also, um, Caroline Mankowski, who I think watched the very first episode 157 weeks ago. Nice to see you here too. Uh, any questions you have on social selling, do pop them in here. Uh, hello from Australia. Mita Palmer, nice to see you. Vincenzo Vento, nice to see you from Zurich. Uh, also, Pervy Darby, nice to see you as well, all the way from Chicago. Two weeks ago, you hosted our Entrepreneur Business Live event there. Uh, Alexis on Facebook from Tennessee, nice to see you. Let me know where you're watching from if you're on Instagram. And even if you're listening on the podcast, then you can, of course, post that in the comments as well. And I'll try my best to get around it. Uh, and yes, Rebecca Godfrey, um, nice to see you. Uh, I'm live on LinkedIn. It's like me and, what, four other people in the UK have managed to get it. And it's, uh, it wasn't easy, but we got there in the end. Next question. Uh, uh, let's ask. Let's answer Perby Darve's one because she's watching right now. What are your top three do's and don'ts for social selling? Difficult question, simply because there's so many of them. I think in terms of keeping life nice and simple, and, and let's firstly define clearly what social selling really means. Social selling simply is using a social media platforms, which yes, now includes uh, LinkedIn in the sense that it, you can leverage uh, content there to be a bit social and social sure kind of encapsulates the business uh, relationship platform of LinkedIn um, to sell. And that doesn't mean directly necessarily, but perhaps to begin or, or provide the entry point to your funnel. Okay. So I think some really important ones, I'm just trying to think of things that, that are often overlooked that are absolutely A1 critical. And one of the top do's of uh, doing social media, uh, social selling correctly is you need to go and get your audience. The problem is that there is a uh, this myth that if you produce world-class contract, sorry, content, people will just come. And it doesn't work like that. Because the reason why is you need people to firstly distribute that content and secondly to engage with it. So if I produce world-class Hollywood Oscar winning level uh, content and post it, zero will happen. Sorry, it doesn't work like that. What you need to do is go and get the people who will come and look at your content. 
the spammy walls of tags. Give me a um, give me give me a thumbs up if you've seen these before. The wall of tags when you get basically someone saying. I'm just gonna put a post in with masses of people's name tagged so that everyone comes and uh, and looks at it. It really looks spammy, it doesn't really work. There's a more of an elegant way of doing it, which is off the post, so away from the content, go find people who would really, uh, you know, really enjoy the content, go engage with them, engage with their content, and what you'll find is you'll start getting on their radar. And as a result, they'll then come and see your content. This is a game that never ends, it goes on forever. If you really want your content to pop, then it's not just the content, it's actually the audience that you need to leverage more. You can have distinctly mediocre and fairly average looking content, maybe just, you know, a, a, a quip in text without even an image or video, and it can do phenomenally well because you've got the distribution, and that comes from you courting the audience really well. So that's a really important one, and there's a lot more I could add to that, but the crucial part is to engage with people, one-on-one -on -one to start with, but the people who could distribute your content wi uh, widely, they're the ones to work with, okay? So thumbs up if that makes sense. Um, another thing is to focus on what I call pure signal. I covered this in the uh, one-year anniversary of Entrepreneur Business Live in London last Wednesday, and pure signal is really simple. It's whatever it is that you want people to eventually pay you for is the thing you should be talking about. What I don't mean is that you should be talking about how people should buy your thing. You should be talking about its ecosystem. So if you talk about, for example, tips and value around how selling can look, you position yourself as someone who can provide value against that. Those that check it out, consume it and find it exciting, will then naturally, because of human curiosity, want to check out your profile, for example, leading themselves to your website, and then in turn, they will want to potentially buy things from you. So it's essential to give them a pure signal so you don't confuse them. Too many times what happens is people put out a bit of content about what they do and then they can't help themselves and they'll pitch, they'll post that, you know, that cat that falls off a desk or something because they, they know they're going to get a load of engagement. But you're, you're confusing your audience and you're not particularly helpful to those that are, tr uh, are kind of receiving the signal that you do this one thing and then you're slightly off piste. That doesn't mean have, don't have fun with your content, but be mindful that there should be possibly some kind of thread to you know, the thing you're ultimately know, gonna be known for. That's a crucial element of building a brand, because if you can get your personal brand right around the subject matter you focus on, people will know you for that. So for me, for an, to a strong degree, it's this online engagement and selling and sales spheres kind of that work one in the same with each other that I'm known for. What I'm not known for is playing the harmonica, because I don't, but also because that's not something I share, you see. So it's really essential you put out that pure signal consistently, because then the same people will show up for you. But more important than that even, when they show up, if they're keen, they will get plenty of value against the thing they're inter interested in rather than just a one-off bit of content. So uh, hopefully that helps. It's a really important um, way to look at things. And I think, I think another one, really another great, uh, a great do for uh, how to get it right is, um, 
is that you should have a call to action, a bit like uh, in the first question from uh, from Karen. That call to action must be in there. If you presume that putting out the content is going to get you all the wins in the world, doesn't really work. It's stunning how even the most intelligent people often need a, some kind of bread trail to where to the, they need to go. So make the path simple for them. Tell them what to do next, you know. Suggest that actually they could you know, click to find out about your, your more information on your website or something like that. It's stunning how YouTubers who at the end of their videos add, why don't you subscribe if you've enjoyed this, get more subscribers than those that don't because actually telling people to do it because people don't necessarily think of these things, you see. So when you nudge them, people go, ah, oh, well, that's a good idea. Don't rely on telepathy as a strategy, it doesn't tend to work so well. Okay, so hopefully that, that helps. There's a really good set of uh, do's for you. Just some quick don'ts for it as well. You, you need to understand that momentum is important. Uh, one is one thing pervy. So if you are um, posting maybe once a week or so, you're just dropping off a radar. The most viral content doesn't last forever. Typically a post will last a day to 36 hours. So where's the next thing coming out? Doesn't mean you have to do something every day, but don't expect people to be all over you all the time if you if you go quiet on them. That's really essential as well. So looking through a couple of the um, comments here. So uh, nice to see you here. Uh, uh, I think there's quite a few people actually. Peter Matheson's joined in, hello. Uh, also Zoyza921126, the Instagram gram names are always good fun. Uh, Francesco Mordini, hi there. Mary Neo, nice to see you. Juliana17, we'll, in, we'll be introducing an interesting founder story to get people to engage and buy. Yeah, absolutely. So if you put some stories out about yourself, as in you explain a bit of background, what's going to happen, Juliana, is people are more likely to pay attention to you because that's compelling and interesting. Rather than asking out and out for a decision to buy, people are more likely to say, hey, this is interesting, who's this person? And then those within that body of people that might end up buying are kind of in, in play and they will need to see more things typically, but they're more ripe to want to buy something. So warm them up first. You need to entertain or court or, you know, provide cerebral content or stimulate an audience in order to move them to a place where they might actually want to uh, add a bit of, you know, decision to buy something there. That, that really is crucial. Juliana17 also asked, how often should you post? Kind of depends on the platform. I don't really think you can post too much. And here's why, because some people will be like, oh man, they post all the time. And that kind of person, if they're getting irritated by you, they're not gonna be a customer, so bin them off. However, there'll be other people who are like, oh wow, I love that this person, person posts all the time, I can't get enough of them. And so they, they are winning. And they're the people you wanna be working with, and they're the people you wanna see lots of content, show lots of content to, but, You've got to bear in mind that your job typically should be quality in delivery and execution of your service, not just posting content on social. And so if it's starting to form a major part of your day, question what you're really spending your time on. Um, and, it, and by the way, it is cool if you skip a day. It's not so bad because you can always pick up again. But at the same time, you should have some minimums. I think one thing I would say to maybe a solopreneur, if you are working completely on your own, I mean, I have a team that helps with my content, but if you are completely doing it on your own, you know, 
Facebook, you could probably get by with a couple of very good posts a day. Um, LinkedIn, you can totally get by with a post a day and that's it. You don't have to be doing it every five minutes. Um, Instagram, possibly a post a day, maybe two every three days, but you really should be going all in on stories, for example. Twitter, post a day, you're dead in the water. You need to be doing a lot more than that, in my opinion. So it kind of changes with each one and that's a really good way of, of um, it's good to break things down, but at the same time, you should be looking hard at what you're what you're doing in terms of the, the effort put in. Because, for instance, I don't operate with Twitter that much, if at all, because we don't really, as a team, have the bandwidth for it. What we do have the bandwidth for is making sure that we're um, doing, you know, showing up on LinkedIn because that's the best called organic traffic right now. Showing up on Instagram because there's strong followers there, and on Facebook because I've got a, a strong kind of nub or hub rather of uh, of keen people. So they're the three main platforms for me. If you have the bandwidth to do it properly, then go for it. If you don't, then focus on the ones that are going to really help. One word of warning on that though, uh, Juliana, is if you think you're doing well on one platform, don't just go all in on it. You know, so many people are like, oh, LinkedIn's doing really well. I'm just all in on LinkedIn. Just be mindful that, you know, there was a time when LinkedIn wasn't doing so great. There was a time when certain other platforms were doing great and then weren't. If you, you can diversify a bit, then you really should, just for building in some redundancy, in my opinion. Do you want to return to LinkedIn, see if there's any more questions here? Sevda, who's saying, can you sell more things at a time? Yes. Uh, in fact, what I have is what's known as a sales ladder. So Sev, there's a really good question. He's asking whether or not there's more than one thing you could sell at a time. And there's a number of ways of doing it. One is you sell something great. If someone's really bought in, well, then there's an opportunity to upsell them on an additional product, because why wouldn't you? In the same way as when you go to um, a news agent's, if you buy a magazine, when you get to pay, they say, well, come on, for another 50p, do you want to buy a chocolate? The little upsell is worth trying if someone's really keen on you. But also the sales ladder allows you to have small entry level, low ticket, high volume products that people can buy all the way up to the back end, high ticket, low volume products and everything in between. So for me, for example, Sevda, the lowest ticket product you can buy of mine is free, aside from the fact that you're giving up your email address, if you like, which is my weekly um, newsletter, which provides great information on what's going on in this particular world and the kind of a digest of last week's content of mine. So if you go to therichardmore.com forward slash newsletter, you can actually you can actually sign up there and you get it and that's coming out in about four hours time. Um, but then the next level up is, for instance, there's my courses that start from like $97. So they're really low, low ticket, but then there's a high volume of selling. And then people, you know, if they buy into a few things then they start feeling, you know what, I really trust this guy. There's good familiarity there that if they get results out of it, then they're more inclined to then spend more on the, on the, on the you know, the back end products that are a little bit higher. So hope that answers your question, Sebda. That's certainly the way I look at it. Um, Thank you very much, Tima, for showing up all the way from Melbourne. You were one of the speakers at Entrepreneur Business Live there um, earlier in the year. We'll have another Melbourne event uh, later on in this year, hopefully. That's kind of on the cards. Um, and uh, Simon Buckton has joined. Mr. Richard Moore is live. Well, I never. Nice to see you. Gianna Williams. Good to see you here. Cat falling off a table. Yeah, I mean... If you go, go try it if you want, post a cat falling off a table and watch how you go viral. But watch also how you stay broke if you're trying to sell because you don't really get anything from it. You'll get even a bunch of followers 
but they're there for cats falling off tables. They're not there for you for your product necessarily, unless there's a huge coincidence and it happens to be that the cat falling off the table group has some people in within it who happen to want your thing as well. It's far easier just to give a pure signal against the product area you really want, if you see what I mean. Those of you tuning in late, where have you been? Those of you watching for the first time, this is week 157. How have you missed so many? <laughs> Nevertheless, this is, um, this is week one, in fact, of the fourth year of our live show. So every Monday at this time, so 1pm London time, uh, 8am Eastern time, and what's that, 5am uh, West Coast, if you're really keen, uh, we do the live Q&A show. It's, it was called Startup Business Q&A. It kind of flips between that and just Business Q&A. Uh, and this week we were on social selling. If you're watching right now, if you just tuned in, put in the comments where you're watching from. Uh, and uh, let us know if you are enjoying the show. I uh, hope you are. We'll be watching every week. And what I like to do is ask if people have any questions and I answer your questions instead. So uh, rather than me just chatting away, that's the way to do it. Uh, next question from Daniel Nunes, who is another person who watched from the very start. So nice to have you send one in. What are keys to channel potential clients through your LinkedIn profile that generate authentic and meaningful and organic connections and relationships without being clickbaity and spammy. So what he's really asking here is, you know, what are ways in which you can generate proper connections and relationships without being clickbaity and spammy? Just don't do that. And, and it is that simple. Don't be clickbaity and, and spammy. And people think they have to be in order to get traction and engagement. They don't. Here's the thing. The content is a way in which people consume or people can consume you and they want to consume you and therefore the device with which by which they can do that is the content most people that are consuming your content aren't doing it they aren't doing it for the content they're consuming the content because it's the way in which they can engage and consume you in the same way as people buy your product because they like you. There are 50,000 other people out there perhaps who do the same product as you, but they're buying yours because it's the way in which they get to buy from you. People like you, that's the point of social selling. If they think you're cool, they dig you, they think you're an interesting person, if they've, they think you're reliable, you know what you're doing, you have authority, credibility and so on, then when they need their thing and you happen to sell it, they buy from you. They buy from you because the product is a device that they, you know, representing a thing they need, but it had to be you because they've, inverted commas, fallen in love with, with you as a person. So that's why things like personal brand are so important. It's not about kind of displaying who you are in a consistent way. That's not the point of personal brand, for example. That is a that is kind of a, a, the method you use to for the outcome of people really thinking you're great. The reduced version of it. And if you think about it, what, what you're doing with your content, therefore, is providing gravity for people to continue to consume you. And they, that's what I call being in orbit around you. They consume a bit of content, they like you, they think you're, you've got a great way of delivering it, so they show up again to do it again. And then, you know, you provide more content, it validates that it was a good idea in the first place, then they come in again, okay? But what it also does is it brings people into orbit around you who may not necessarily buy, but they may be people who would distribute your content 
So a very active person with a very strong network, for example, right? So an active person with a strong network who thinks you're great, they may, not, never, they may never buy any of your stuff, but they still engage because I think, I just like this guy's stuff. But the good news is that person with 65,000 people following them on LinkedIn, for example, will have 278 that like your stuff and now they stick. And you see, so you're providing gravity for those that like you, so they orbit around you, but also gravity for potential distributors, those with great networks who think you're good, so they endorse you, the platform then endorses your content to their network, that's how it works. And then of course, with enough call to actions and good reasons why people should spend time not just consuming the content, but taking it to the next step, going to your profile, writing a comment, so now you've got the warming up of a new lead, sending you a DM, hopping on a call, whatever it might be. That's the point in there. So that's what we need to be doing. And you've got to understand that it all starts with content that allows a potential audience to consume you. Now, if it's text only, what that, re what that looks like is text or opinions and ideas that represent you and what you think. Or if it's video, it's this is why video wins, because it allows people to feel like they can sense who you are. In my opinion, the best form of video is this. That's why I'm streaming on all these platforms and, I, and this converts to a podcast as well. Doing a live show allows people to genuinely see you as you are. I am so not that good an actor that for 157 weeks I could just pretend to be someone else. This is just generally who I am. Kind of flick on, go, and then we're off. And I don't, there's no kind of ceremony to I answer questions. And because every week there's an appetite for it and people keep showing up for it, then I just keep doing it. But the point isn't, although it is kind of superficially the point to answer questions, the point truly is to convey a sense of who you really are to an audience so that they decide to stick around, okay? When Stranger Things first aired, some people were like, well, that's not very good. And then other people were like, I am hooked. And then they binge the rest of the series and they spend time with that rather than doing other things even more productive things, they stick with that because it's something that give, that's compelling for them. And that's the point here. You want people to want to spend time around you, okay? They spend time around you because they find you compelling. So in fact, the content you put out is you, in a way, being like a show. It's like a Netflix show. And if you're interesting and compelling enough, people show up for you. And there, Daniel, is where your meaningful connections and relationships can come from. And getting this right, getting that understanding of the point or the outcome you're after in terms of content, it really works. And that is a reason, for instance, why I don't share other people's content. It's not because I'm mean or selfish, it's because typically I could share other people's content perhaps to compliment me, but I feel that what I'm trying to do is get people warmed up to whether or not they like me. If they don't, no problem, because there are millions of users out there. But if they are keen, then wonderful. And what I want to do is keep serving them that. So I do bring other people's content in, in the sense that maybe there might be a collaboration interview or something like that. But that's certainly the aim you should have in mind when it comes to social selling. So you need to map back from a, a potential audience 
thinking you're interesting, great, stimulating, cerebrally challenging them, funny, emotional, whatever it might be, something that hooks them. Not everyone, because no one's that good, and everyone's different, right? But enough of a keenness in you that people are like, I like this guy. And there may be a minute percentage of that audience that says, do you know what? I'm going to buy this guy's thing straight away. Because coincidentally, they happen to be in the market for it. But then there's also people who will take nine months of just warming up because they're reticent, because they've been burnt in the past, because they would never buy anything online, right? Or whatever, but they need to be warmed up a bit. Some people don't like you to start with, but then they come round after a while because there's enough endorsements from other people who can enjoy your content. So a lot of these things in play, but it all stem, the wins all stem from the fact that people kind of think you're quite kind of cool. So your content needs to be produced in a way that allows people to think, I like this person, because they see you as you are. Again, from text, only posts, share your opinions, through to video where you're like, this is me, this is as I am. So don't posture as someone else, because you'll be inviting a set of people that don't resonate truly with you. And that's what people, I believe, are trying to say when they're saying be authentic. What they really mean is, is... Be as much yourself as possible. Be you a lot so that people get a sense of you and will tune in again and again, okay? Um, let's just hop over to LinkedIn. I want to give it a lot of attention because this is the first time in live streaming uh, of this particular show. Jack Richards, Marketing Communications at Applegate. Nice to see you here. Have you got any advice on how a time-poor marketer can seek to implement a single LinkedIn strategy across a team of two different departments? I feel we may lack brand personality at times and want every single colleague to have a clear offering of LinkedIn linked to a strong brand. Uh, it's quite a lengthy question, my man, so I'm, I'll try my best to um, understand it. Um, most people are time poor. And when I visit companies, certainly to talk about content and indeed LinkedIn as well, one thing I'm mindful is that people aren't going to go, oh yeah, okay, well, I'll just find time out of thin air and do all of this. I think what's really important is that firstly, you have a really um, pure signal about what you're putting out. What also you need to understand is if you're time poor, there's a thing which we are, which I'm doing literally right now called pillar content. Pillar content is basically a big chunk of content that you can make content from. You can break it all down. So at 1pm London time, which started like half an hour ago, we went live on Instagram, YouTube, Facebook and LinkedIn now. That gets repurposed afterwards. So the one-hour show can, is instantly four pieces of content. So it's actually four hours worth of content in one. What happens then is I have a guy, amazing guy who works with Disney, does video production uh, called Dan Norton over in the US. He then takes some of that content and produces a mini video that airs typically on a Tuesday or a Wednesday. You'll see it on LinkedIn, for instance. Then there'll be another clip later on in the week that shares another snippet. Then there'll be a photo that turns into an Instagram shot, for instance. There'll be maybe some screen grabs for Instagram, Instagram stories. And we'll download it and then upload as an IGTV uh, uh, video because then it stays on Instagram rather than deletes after 24 hours. Then we'll download the audio and create the podcast. So then it's on iTunes and Spotify and all these things and Stitcher and so on. And what we've got then is something approaching 10 pieces of content from one hour's work because I don't have the time because I actually run a business and which involves running all of these events, you see. So it's essential to have that or you've got to be cool with being exhausted all the time because you're making completely new bits of content every time. 
Now, a new bit of like if I'm re repurposing, for instance, um, uh, Jack, Jack, what I won't be doing is saying uh, repurposing is simply producing something in a different format. So, you know, from widescreen to uh, one to one ratio, because now it's Instagram, right? No, you've got to think about what you're actually saying. Maybe there's more of a businessy edge to LinkedIn. Maybe it's more of a fun edge if it becomes an Instagram story because people just want to see you hanging out and so on. So you need to think about what parts you splice, but that's the, or, or break down and, and use as content. But that is the way in which it's not impeding so much uh, my time throughout the week. So Monday's a big deal in terms of producing content. After this hour, it'll be one more hour of frantically making sure all the content's broken down, put out where it needs to be uh, onto websites and things like that and distributed correctly. And then I can crack on with things. So hopefully that helps a bit. Um, if you feel you lack brand personality, and this is the, this is the thing, and this, those that are brand consultants won't like this so much, but you can overdo the brand consulting kind of thing, especially at the start. What I would suggest strongly you do is make sure you're frequently putting out a message. If you frequently put out the message, what you tend to do then, as I said earlier, is you hone your philosophy. You tune into how you really should sound. You get, you know, you really get good at talking about that one thing because you're saying it over and over again. I'd like to think I'm half decent at these live shows and managing all the platforms at once because I've done 156 weeks worth up to today. So it allows me a bit of practice, right? But it also means I've answered these questions many times over. And it just practicing like that gets you somewhere. But it also helps you in terms of the brand personalities you're saying here, uh, Jack, because what it allows you to do is, is get a sense of yourself and after a while, you naturalize to producing uh, the signal out, if you like, about yourself in a certain way. And then it you know, evolves and pivots and, and so on and so forth. You start using, the, I, I, this is how I did it, it was quite organic. Started using the same font. Then I started going, you know what, I've got orange hair, I'll put orange in as my, my brand color as, a, as an orange, like every other, every word, has, every, what was it, every sixth word or whatever has an orange one in it, and little things like that. And the brand personality is actually just, people kind of have a sense of the flavor of what Richard Moore is, and it's, it's not kind of over the top, it's not heavy going uh, with, this is specifically my brand, and, but there is a kind of a palette, and there's a logo here and there, but really it's about me talking about the same kind of things over and over again, which is why you need to stick to the thing you're really into. So hopefully that helps a bit. Good question. Uh, Shaquille Shams, just looking through a couple of these comments here. Hi Richard, amazing content. Thank you for LinkedIn Live feature. Watching from India, Gianna Williams. How do you get set up for LinkedIn Live? Oh, it was nothing. <laughs> so getting set up for LinkedIn Live uh, started with me um, uh, applying. You can apply, by the way. You just go to... Uh, you know, you just, it was somewhere in there. You just, if you dive in LinkedIn Live, you can apply if you don't have it. And I think the beta group is like 1,500 around the world at the moment. It's very, very small. Uh, you apply, you give reasons why. I applied three times, then I appealed, and I was getting messages back like, well, why don't you try, it was a stock message, things like, why don't you try uh, posting content and photos? It's like, I do it, damn it, <laughs> but it wasn't working. Um, so I, I in fact, a, a month ago, Gianna, I went to LinkedIn HQ in California and uh, visited them. And so I was nudging in person. I was like, come on. Uh, and eventually, uh, and, uh, I was also nudging um, uh, advocates of mine. There was a bit of a social campaign recently. 
uh, and also other beta testers who already had it. I have to shout out Brian Wallace, who I think was fairly instrumental too, um, were vouching for me. And so I think all combined, it was LinkedIn were like, all right already, have it then. Uh, just shut me up probably. But So I kind of pushed, but, it, but for others, it seems they've got it with ease. Some people haven't even applied, they've just gifted it. Uh, so I don't really know how they, how they do it. Uh, the criteria is not clear, to be honest, but I would urge you to apply if you'd like to use it. Um, so that, that kind of, uh, hopefully answers your question. So if there's any other questions up here, um, Justin Dunwoody, hey Richard, Richard, Sydney, Australia, great show so far, thanks for watching. Um, and uh, let me who else is here as well. Subala, call to actions are sometimes hard. Any tips for getting over the feeling that you're asking people for a favour by following you as a call to action? The thing is, if you ask people to follow you as a call to action in your content, You've got to understand that not everyone wants to. Remember this, that people don't, this is a sale, like I've been working in sales for 16 odd years now. People don't like to be told what to do unless they're heavily bought into you. So if I have 100 people consuming my content, some will be gasping for more and others will be like, oh, I'll check this out because I've got nothing else to do. Not all of them are going to click on follow if I tell them to do so, right? Um, so you need to be fairly sure you've earned it, is my opinion. You need to earn the right to ask for, a, for a, a, something like that in a call to action, uh, Subala. So think hard, like, if you're asking for a follow every single time, it doesn't really work um, because it's often the same people doing it. I do feel that if you look at a video, a call to action should go at the end. And people will say that's stupid because a lot of people don't watch to the end of the video. But think about it. Who do you want to do your call to action? You want those that are keen on your stuff, right? So if you want those that are keen on your stuff, then, it, then they are the ones that are going to get to the end of your, of your content. They're the ones that watch the video in entirety. They're the ones who consume the, to, the, to the bottom of your, of, your, of your text, of your posts and all of your captions, because they're the ones who are into you. So what happens if you give a strong enough call to action, uh, people often will, will kind of push it, will kind of be not so keen. But if it's enough value, then they often are. And to a degree, the call to action, how, how the size of it, the, mat, the amount to which you're asking for, um, can to a degree be represented by uh, the, the kind of the size of uh, or the quality of the value that you're offering as well. So if I, have, if I have huge value, so maybe this is why a lot of people will do a big call to action at the end of a, a long webinar, for instance, or a, or a conference. If it's something tiny, then maybe it's because you've just done an Instagram post, for example. So think about when you're going to place it as well. Hopefully that answers your question a bit, Subala. Uh, let me uh, look at if there's any others. Uh, Team El Haj still there. Thank you so much for watching. Let's get into another question. There's a couple more to go. Matthew Brown, Richard Moore. Hi, I'm wondering what is the best approach to building an audience, uh, what it would be here on LinkedIn in lieu of the ever-changing algorithms. Algorithms will change every five minutes. So if you plan a strategy based specifically on an algorithm, you better get ready to change it in a few months. Plus, algorithms are different across platforms. However, here's the news. There are certain things that sit across, horizontally across all platforms and work. And it's funny to me when you get, for example, a YouTuber saying, well, how does it work on LinkedIn? Or an Instagram grammar saying, teach me how LinkedIn works, Richard. It's like, it's the same principles. Your content provides the gravity. If the gravity is interesting enough and you're going out to, to court an audience, you're going out to stimulate discussion with people so you're on their radar, they will come to you. 
they will be in, be in orbit around your content. Then when they decide to comment or write interesting, engaging things about the content underneath, they write paragraphs saying, hey, this is really interesting. You engage, you validate their decision to actually show up for your content. Then guess what? Because you've been so good and given them a treat for them putting out, they show up again next time. And what you're doing is you're, you're basically building an audience by giving them treats. So you're giving them, um, as I say, validation for their decision to engage in your stuff. Simple as that. So it works so well because what you're doing is you're thinking of them first. If you think about the tip of the iceberg, you know, on, on LinkedIn there's like 100 odd people watching right now, for example, but only a few will like and even less will bother to comment. So it's the tip of the iceberg. If someone dares engage, like, reaction or comment even, then you need to give them some love back. And when I was first starting, Matthew, what I did was I would literally, if anyone goes near my content and if anyone even liked it, because I was building a consultancy right then, I was like, that's a potential lead, right? Even a like, even a thumb, you might be like, oh, that's not very good. No, send them a message, say thank you for it, and start a conversation. Go and check out their profile for six seconds, you know, dare to consume some of their content. And what happens is then you start saying, saying to them things like, I love that you posted that thing the other day, or I love that you're working on this thing. I have a friend that does the same. How do you get into it or whatever? And what happens is that you start a relationship in the way you would have done offline. This is just taking cues from the offline world. And what happens then is that people are like, ah, oh, this is a nice person. They're not trying to sell me. And you actually start something of a relationship. Those, or, those audience members need continual care, again, in the same way as you would with the offline world. Think about your best friends. You probably see them a fair bit. And if you don't, you're in touch with them on WhatsApp a lot. If you're not, guess what happens? They start to fade away, right? So relationships go stale if you don't put out. And it's the same here. So I have a thing called the list. This is my big takeaway, if you like, Matthew. The list is a list of 60 people on LinkedIn, because LinkedIn's kind of my main area. Uh, it's uh, on LinkedIn, 60 people and their URLs. It's in a spreadsheet and I do 20 a day. So Monday I do 20, then Tuesday, then Wednesday, then I go back Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Okay. So I go through that list of 20 and I engage in them and their stuff. If they haven't done a post, no problem. I'll chuck them in a DM. And that's not, uh, that's not me being um, uh, like, uh, kind of mercenary about relationships. It is fun. I kind of kind of quite like doing it. They're good fun to be around as well. But it allows me to stay on their radar because I'm I'm continually putting myself in front of them. So being having that list allows me to keep myself in front of the audience because you've got to keep those plates spinning. Now the thing is, Matthew, that within that audience of people who are kind of warmed by you, you need to be picking out the ones that are really the important ones. They're the ones that will back you, sure, and they're the ones who are gonna give you a lot of love and so on, but they're the ones who share your stuff. They're the ones who have a strong network. I mean, the people who have 80, 100, 500,000 followers, they're the, and they're checking my stuff out, I wanna give them a disproportionately large amount of love because you need to keep them in orbit. Because it's not just them that may buy my thing, they have a whole network as well. So what in fact happens is that I might be sending them DMs or we might help on a phone call because they're the top level, they're the best friends if you like. It sounds weird but that's how it is that you need to put the more of attention into because they help you with your distribution. So that's the way I would do it but 
No one likes hearing that because the real answer is there's no hack, okay? It's very intentional, I get it, but it's time. And it might be that cumulatively we're looking at best part of an hour, an hour and a half a day, cumulatively, so across the day, where I'm checking in with people because that's the way you keep these people close to you. And with, with um, timelines and news feeds that are filled with people firing out things all the time, it's essential that you stay on top, uh, in front and center of mind. And even if you haven't produced a bit of content, you wanna be in someone's mind, so voice messages and DMs are a little way to do things. And you can't do it with everyone. And the more you do it, the more people come on your radar and seriously, it can get out of hand. The way you do it is you are selective and intentional. Who are the top 60? That's all I have. And I do this on a, on, a, on a Google sheet, so I have 20. And when people are like, do you know what? This person is like, they're not giving back enough. It's been a month and they, uh, they don't have the content or something. So they fall off the list. And by the way, no one gets to see my list. So they fall off the list, so I put, I put a new one on, for instance. It always evolves. But you're, you've got that group of people because they help distribute the content and they're the people who kind of get, you know, they're a strong, strong way to reach an audience. So I hope that helps. It's a really good question, Matthew. There's a question over on Instagram uh, from Pete Matheson. Uh, how did you get started with public speaking? How did you get the first gigs and how did they go? I've never, ever decided I want to be a speaker for my career and I'm fine if you want to go do that. I wanted to go and build a business and when I do public speaking it's because either it's me running my Entrepreneur Business Live events and I'm going to speak about a topic that I know will help me for positioning and branding and I'm, I'm good at whatever I'm talking about or someone comes to me and says, Richard, I saw your content. Kels Prize. <laughs> I saw your content. I think you're really good on this thing. Um, would you be interested in speaking about it at this event? There's an event coming up soon and literally that happened. The person consumed my content on Facebook. They thought it was really good. They liked that I talked about X because that's what their conference is on. And as a result, they've asked me to go and speak about it. So public speaking, Pete, is a byproduct of focusing on putting out that pure signal of what I do so that I can sell my services and products, okay? And because I'm deemed by some as sufficiently good at it and credible enough to, for uh, them to want me to represent their conference or event, you know, that's why I get asked. If you wanted to be a public speaker as your career, then you need to prove you're good at it, which means you simply evangelized by, by doing lots of sp spoken content. Uh, it's hilarious when people want to do public speaking, but they're scared to do video. It's like, sorry, people don't get to see you as much. They need to see what you're going to be like. And again, it's that back to that point of if they like you, if they think you're cool, then, and they have an opportunity for someone to speak and you do the thing they want you to speak about, well, then you get the gig because there's someone that you're someone they're into. So if that helps, there's a really good way of, there's a really good question. The first gigs I got into were purely people going, hey, I love that you do that thing. Would you mind coming to our event and speaking about it? I'm like, yeah, sure, no problem at all. Like I say, it's not just me helping them out. I get something in return because it helps position me as someone who knows what they're talking about. And anyone who's done a, a talk will know that you become like a minor celebrity for that day uh, because then everyone wants, you know, you've got, they've got a bit of an introduction to you. So it's a good idea. Uh, look at a couple more uh, comments down here on, in, on uh, uh, LinkedIn even. Uh, I like the list idea, says Carolina Mankowski. Try it out. Yes. Pervy Davis asked, is anyone else experiencing problems with LinkedIn live audio going in and out? Uh, can you give me a thumbs up if you can hear this? Okay, so hopefully that's okay uh, for you. And let's finish up with one more question. 
uh, David Schoons, also from LinkedIn. My question, Richard, after three plus years of weekly episodes, can you remember back to the first one? Yes, I can. I remember it really well. I have a weird memory. Um, I was wearing a blue shirt, in fact. And I remember it well because the first five minutes, for some reason, it's not like I was a newbie because I've been talking loads and things on, online anyway. My first Facebook Live, so episode one of this show, which was three years and a week ago, um, I forgot to turn on the uh, rotate screen thing because I was doing a landscape uh, view of the live stream on on um, on Facebook. So the first five minutes were me like at 90 degrees and everyone's like, what are you doing, man? So eventually I swung it round. And I remember it was a really hot day. So I finished and I was like, ah, oh, the sweat and everything. But it went really well. It went really well because I was... I, what I did was like, is, is what I think most people should do with live, which is you just talk about the thing you know you do well. And that's what I did. So I focused on answering questions about startup businesses because I was building them and helping people build them. And so startup businesses and sales and engagement and conversions and, you know, that kind of thing became the themes for them. And for a while, we dabbled, dabbled in a Thursday Q&A as well. What we did, David, was we had a sales Q&A. But after a while, people were like, can you just do it all together? So we just did. So, yeah, that was that was um, that's the first one. And you've also asked here, uh, Richard, uh, what uh, at the time, what did you think would happen in the days, weeks or months after the first episode? Uh, and is the world you created today the one you had a vision of originally? Um, I think originally I, um, I felt this is another way of me testing the audience's interest in me. <clears throat> I wanted to, I was always, I, I have this thing is I'm always willing to sacrifice content in, in the net and its exposure and its engagement and how well it does in f in the name of of uh, experimentation. So I was willing to sacrifice and just like see how it goes. So I'll try different types of content out. And it's like, you know, wherever I can get engagement is where I need to be. And if live will get me engagement, then it has to happen. And, and Facebook live, it was like, I need to be in early. I need to court an audience. But it's a really good way of testing to see if it, if it helps. I also knew I wanted to show and it was easy to do it that way. And I knew if I was compelling enough, people would show up each week. And and that's the reason why we've done north of 1,200 questions so far, because people will show up each week uh, because there's an appetite for it. Um, so it's about testing who's taken interest. The other secondary thing, and I had this from the word go, uh, David, was I've mentioned this uh, uh, earlier today already, is that I wanted to hone my philosophy, which means that when I'm asked the question about, um, you know, Richard, if I have someone interested in my things, uh, how do I convert them to a sales call, for example? Or Richard, if I've got someone who um, is giving me buying signals, how do I close them? Whatever it might be, these questions I kind of knew the answer to. In the same way as whatever it is you do, you kind of know the answer to it as well. But I wanted to practice, but I wanted to practice practically. So rather than just like thinking about the questions, I wanted to answer them live with people because I knew what that would do is uh, it would get me, it would kind of subconsciously help me order how I would convey or deliver that, that answer. And when you get the same question for the 37th time or something like, you know, Richard, if I'm a startup, what things should I consider when I'm selling to someone? It's like, right, well, I've answered this a lot. I tend to have a good answer for it. And, it, you know, it's spun off to help with so many other things, like when I get interviewed, if I do a podcast or whatever uh, and people ask me stuff, they say, oh, that's a really good answer. Well done. It's like, yeah, because I've practiced it, you know, so um, it's it's nothing.
nothing impressive, it's just because I've been on the pitch a lot. And I knew that if I could do it long term, it would really help me in that respect. You've also asked here though, is the world you created today the one you had a, a vision of originally? Yes, to a degree, but it's better because I never realized it could be that good as pillar content. It was originally Facebook. But then when we could do live on Instagram, I was like, that's fantastic. So what was it? A hundred episodes ago, we started that. But then, we, then I was like, good, I can get YouTube built in as well. So going live on YouTube was phenomenal. And like, you know, YouTube last year tweaked it so you could literally click on go live. It was fantastic. And now that I've got LinkedIn on board as well, it just, it's just it's a really great way of, of spending one hour. If you think about it right now, it's coming up to one hour and I've done four hours worth of content across four platforms that will be broken down. My team can then, like when this finishes, they can all gan it in and like start breaking it up. Finish up there. I wanted to say thank you to everyone who's watched. If you want to have more of me and if you want to uh, receive the free uh, newsletter that goes every single week, a lot of people love this. And I like, I think I checked the industry averages. It's something like it's close to 50% open rates we get. And it's like, that's three times industry average for what I do. So the newsletter is free. If you go to therichardmore.com, M-O-R-R-E, so all one word, therichardmore.com, forward slash newsletter you get all you have to put, do is put in your name and your email i use that for nothing except your e the uh, email newsletter once a week on a monday it goes out in a few hours from now uh, so check that out it's completely free and you can check out previous content of mine such as the entrepreneur business live show last week but also you can check out more information um, uh, from the industry. So what's going on, big players in business, but also interesting things from the world of social media and uh, marketing and selling as well. Uh, in addition to that, make sure if you want to if you want to kind of be part of this ecosystem, you join me on LinkedIn. So you, if you're not there already, I'm uh, forward slash in as they do and then forward slash Richard James Moore. And finally, if you want to be part of our group, we have almost 4,000 people in the Entrepreneur Business Group on Facebook. So when you go up there, I've literally got the URL. So it's facebook.com slash group slash Entrepreneur Business Group, or just search Entrepreneur Business Group and you'll find it. Uh, I wanted to do a quick refresh because uh, LinkedIn's been a bit slow and say, but say thank you firstly to everyone who's watched. Thank you on the podcast. Give me a heart or a thumbs up as this has been good. Comment if you think you'll come again. Next week we'll do a different topic and I'll be looking out uh, for answers or for questions from you guys. Uh, but I want to say thank you so much for everyone who's listened on YouTube or watched on YouTube and the podcast. Uh, goodbye and thank you if you've been watching on Instagram. See you later. The replay will be on IGTV. Uh, also, uh, thank you very much everyone watching on Facebook. I'll see you all very 